0: Right, the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued. Lucky it's nice and big for me, because I haven't got my Clark Kent glasses. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. I've been there. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach in the pots that the pigs were eat, eating, but no one gave him anything. Mm. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the and calf for him. My son, the father, said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found.
1: Right, Good, Andre. Thank you. So last week uh, we looked at the first part of that parable, which is the story we're very familiar with of the younger son who goes away and squanders his uh, wealth on uh, wild living. And um, he descends to the shameful occupation of tending pigs, which is just unbelievably scandalous for the original hearers. It's like um, saying, I'm I'm now working for a sex trafficker. Um, And he returns to his father in shame, but his father runs to him, embraces him so that he doesn't have to be ashamed. And uh, Jesus is is telling the story in response to the question, why do you hang out with the wrong crowd, with the sinners and the tax collectors and all those sort of people? And Jesus is trying to explain to to those that are listening, this is what God is like. This is what the Father is like. Like he he doesn't actually want to make you feel shame. He wants to instead take that shame off you. And that shame has to go somewhere. So he wants to take it upon himself and set you free. That's what God is like. Like that's the good that's the gospel in a nutshell. That's why we take communion every week. That's what he's like. And he doesn't just remove the shame, he restores him. He puts the robe on him. So here's this kid that squandered everything and he's naked and he's disheveled. We've got that next picture of one of my favorites of um of uh, Charlie Maxey's uh, picture of this moment. And that son who can't even lift up his arms, he's exhausted, he's so covered in shame. And his father runs to him, humiliating himself in that culture by exposing his knees, lifting up his robes. Uh, and then he comes in and before the son can kind of get his little prepared speech out, he's embraced, he's given a robe. He's, uh, servants don't wear sandals, but sons do. So he's like, we've got to get the sandals. You were gonna That ring that you pawned off in that that." country, we're going to give you that ring back because you're part of the family and now we're going to go have a party. Isn't God good? And like, we've got to keep reminding ourselves of God's nature. Like we've got to keep reminding ourselves, I've been a pastor for 17 years. I've been a Christian since I was five years old and got onto my knees and gave my life to Jesus. So for over 30 years, I've been following Him. And it is a battle to keep believing that God is a good Father who's there to embrace me, not forsake me, that I can run to the one who can make me clean rather than run away from Him because He is the God of grace and mercy and I can boldly approach that throne of grace in my hour of need. Like man, it's a battle. it's a inefficient. A battle for me, who's done Sunday school and preschool, you know, and 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 you know all the Sunday school stuff, and then got you know infant baptised, confirmed, adult baptised, went to Bible college, youth group, every camp you can imagine. Has been a pastor and living and breathing all this stuff forever. If it's a battle for me, it's going to be a battle for you. <laughs> Loads a battle. This is who God is. We have got to keep reminding ourselves. We have got to keep singing about it. We've got to keep proclaiming it. We've got to keep coming to the table of grace. This is who God is. It's a gospel of grace, and that's what sets us free, hallelujah. But then we got this older brother, so this is this, the next part of the story that we're going to explore today, because there isn't the story of the prodigal son, it's the story of the prodigal sons. There's two sons that are distant from the father in this story, and, and there's a little bit of younger son in all of us, we're lying if we don't believe that, and there's a little bit of older son in us, we're lying if we don't believe that. You know the interesting thing about uh, the youngest son is that, you know, I was hanging out with uh, I was hanging out with a friend of mine this last week. Been at a vineyard pastors retreat, and I mean I was with this godly, godly pastor who's been who's in his sixties and is just the sort of guy I want to be when I grow up. Right? You'll notice I'm wearing shirts recently, even though it was on the floor drobe. You know, it's like I'm trying to, I'm trying to like grow up a bit, and it's like. Hello him, I want to be like him and I had this lovely heart to heart time, had a coffee with him and he said these words. He says, I'm, I'm this the rest of my life all I'm asking is the question, is Jesus enough? Now I loved his honesty. Is Jesus enough? Well, if I need to go to have a drinky vino, you know, most nights because I'm pretty stressed, Jesus isn't enough. If I've got to be living on Instagram because I can't be, Jesus isn't enough. And this is just the, you know, if I'm eating a bit too much Burger King, you know, too many cream buns, you know, to to satisfy something, some escape thing I need or some treat. It's like, Jesus, I want you to be enough. And it's like, there's a younger brother in all of us where Jesus isn't enough. So I've got to stick my face in the trough of, of, of Instagram, Burger King, you know, pornography, you know, drugs, whatever it may be, right? And it's like, but Jesus is enough. I can come I can come home. I can come home. He's enough, but I want to learn to, to, to choose him and to trust him and to learn what it looks like to live in the unforced rhythms of grace, as Eugene Peterson says. So the younger brother and all of us. Uh, so let's just pick up the older brother, though. Verse 25, there's this older brother, uh, and he's in the field, and he comes and he hears the, the sound of music and dancing. Um, you know, this is so cool. You know that there is the sound of God's house. There's a sound, it's not just there's the sound of the father's house and it's the sound of music and dancing what a sweet thing sign me up for Christianity all over again this is the sound of the father's house it's the sound of it's not the sound of, a, of an exam it's not the sound of, of a library and all of its boredom it's not the sound of you know of pews it's the sound of music and dancing that is the sound of the father's house this is a, a photo of our um, of our wedding reception um, and uh, and I'm like this I just love these photos because it captures the vibe. Especially, I love my mum on the bottom right in that pink dress. I mean, it's just my mum to the T. Uh, she's just like a whiff of a party, and she's there. And I'm like, this is the sound of the the the, the older brothers hearing in that field of just a wild party. Like this is meant, and that's me having an epileptic fit. But you know, that's what people look it looks like. It's me dancing really, but um, I'm trying my best there. And so when you imagine what the sound is like, you've got it like this. Is, and let me get this straight. The Jewish people knew how to party. Like the Jewish people, this is a clip from um, the movie Fiddler on the Roof. If I were a rich man, dee dee, it's not that one. But this is the Jewish wedding scene, which, which hasn't changed uh, in terms of vibe that you're going to go for um, when it comes to, uh, to a party. So have a quick look at this. I love this picture. I love this. I've oh, got it coming out the speakers again, that's all right. So, Jewish weddings aren't boring, eh? I mean, you know, I'd have to practice for about three years to get this kind of coordinated, but I think it's just a stunning picture of the sound that would have been going on for that older brother. Um, this part's cool. <laughs> so this is the, this is the sound. and like so the older brothers, they're hearing all of this, and it's like he goes to one of his servants, why is this why is it what's going on? And he's like, your older brother's come home. And it's and like this is his brother. Like this is his brother he hasn't seen in who who knows how many years. He's come home. He didn't even know if he was alive. And, uh, and the people are celebrating him, not shaming him clearly. And so verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and you never, diso- and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But the son of yours comes home who squandered your property with prostitutes and you killed the fat and calf for him. You know, he gets angry. Like his reaction isn't, yeah, I can join in the celebration. His reaction is I get angry. In fact, in the Greek, there, the word for anger is ogre. I've got a picture of what that looks like. So this is uh, he gets really angry. He gets serious, he gets seriously wild, and he start. he's like, he's in a rage. Like, how could you? And in uh, this moment, in the story, we see that the older son has no more respect for the father than the younger son does. He totally disrespects him in this moment, yells at him, and his father's desperate for him to join in the celebration. But the but this, the older son's like, all these years I've been slaving for you, which is a massive slap in the face. He hasn't been slaving for his father. If you remember the story. His father divided up the property between them when the younger brother said, I'm out. And so he's been in partnership with his father that whole time. He hasn't been slaving for him. I never disobeyed your orders. And the Pharisees listening would have winced at this point because it's like that was their whole buzz. Let's do everything perfectly and then God loves you. That's why Jesus was so agitated by the Pharisees. Because it's like, oh, you know, it's all about doing the right things and then God will love you. Whereas Jesus came and turned that upside down and said, it's not about how good you are. It's about how soft your heart is to my presence. That's the Sermon on the Mount effectively. Like you've got to get beyond the external behaviour stuff because you can have like, maybe you haven't murdered anyone, but you've really wanted to kill people in your heart. Or maybe you haven't committed adultery, but you've looked at at, a woman lustfully. Jesus keeps on going. It's about the heart. So about the inside that's got to get clean. And so Jesus uh, says this parable and the Pharisees are like, oh oh, no. Uh, and then he's like, gives him this lecture. You've never given me a goat, let alone a and calf. He doesn't deserve this. I do, is what he's saying. And any time that you start talking about what you deserve, you leave the realm of grace. Any time you start talking about what you deserve, you leave the realm of grace. And this is where, I'm sorry, guys, but there's a little bit of older brother in all of us as well, where it's like, how come... You know, I deserve this. I've been good. I've been behaving myself. And how come life's still a bit tricky? You know, you're not very nice, God. And it's like, actually, it's all grace. It's all grace. Henry Nown's life was really turned upside down by understanding this point. He was a really religious, moral person, minister, a minister who was proud of his goodness. And God used this passage to show him he was guilty of the sins of the older brother, and it changed his life. Um, you know how you can tell if you're really in trouble in terms of like how much older brother is in you? If you're sitting here thinking, I'm glad I'm not like the older brother. Oh man, I'm sorry. Like That's terrible news. That's really bad. Oh no, you're really... That's where Jesus is very sneaky, eh? He's told, he tells a few stories that really get you. He tells stories where it's like, you know, the, the tax collector's doing this and the Pharisee's praying all pious prayers. And you're like, oh, I'm so not like the Pharisee. I'm like the tax collector, all humble, breaking my heart before God. And it's like that immediately says that you're like the Pharisee because you think you're superior to the Pharisee. Gotcha. He's brilliant. He's brilliant how he does this. I love Jesus. I love he's always like. Uh, and so uh, Henry Nouwen in this lovely book called The Return of the Prodigal Son, he said, looking into myself and around me at the lives of other people, I wonder what does more damage, lust or resentment? There's so much resentment among the just and the righteous. There's so much judgment, condemnation and prejudice among the saints. There's so much frozen anger among the people who are so concerned about avoiding sin. I mean, this is him being very, very um, honest about the damage that this can do. Um, the sins of, of, of jealousy, pride, anger, and resentment are much easier to hide than the sins of doing really naughty things that we know are morally wrong, right? They're just so much easier to hide. Um, and the older brother's spirit manifests itself in judgment, condemnation, anger, resentment, bitterness, jealousy. Those are the those that's the older brother, that's the spirit of the older brother. And you know. You're lucky you're just hearing it this morning. I had to sit with this passage all week. <sighs> you know how much conviction it's like judgment, tick, condemnation, anger, resentment, bitterness, jealousy. I mean, it's just like, and, and the, the revelation, this is just as damaging. This is just as damaging to other people as, and to your own soul especially as doing the naughty things. Now, I'm not, hear me, I'm not saying sweet ass do the naughty things. I'm like, let's avoid both, eh? Because there's consequences to doing the naughty things. It destroys your life. The prodigal son tells it. Many of you can give testimony. It's just like the short-term pleasure results in long-term pain. Just that's the deceit of sin. It's like, it, you know, it tempts you, I just feel good for a moment. And then it, it just slowly but surely will destroy your life right? So it's not like, yay, yeah, it's with, but, but for a lot of us, guys, we've got to remember the older brother stuff does just as that much damage to our souls. And the thing is that this is the stuff that as you journey with Jesus, as you go on and you get a bit older, this is where you're going to struggle. Like, it's just a constant battle and choice to keep your soft heart, keep your heart soft before God, it's a constant choice. You will never graduate until he comes again in glory and you see him face to face, right? Until then we've got to say, Lord, keep my heart soft before you. Lord, I want to have that humility that is representative of your nature and that leads me to life. NT right on this passage. At this point, we see that Jesus is not, simply, is not content simply to tell the grumblers that they're out of line. He too wants to reason with the Pharisees and the lawyers to point out that though God's generosity is indeed reaching out to people they didn't expect, this doesn't mean that there isn't any left for them. If they insist on staying out of the party because it isn't the sort of thing they like, that's up to them. But it won't be because God doesn't love them as well. How good is that? Isn't that great news? We're all invited into the party. So this is, as the uh, passage continues, we see this. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The, the Greek there is, uh, is, the, is the imperative. It's not like we had to, like, no, oh, I guess we had to. It's imperative. We have to continue to celebrate because your, son, your, your brother has come home. But he's not saying this is a party. It's not your brother's party. He's saying it's my party that I'm inviting you into. I'm celebrating that my son is home and you get to be part of that party and that celebration. Klein Snodgrass, again, his his work on this parables and stuff is is immense. He's one of the best scholars, I think, out there on this. But this is is what he says, and again, apologies for the last name, but uh, that was his lot in life. Klein Snodgrass says this, How wretched it is to call oneself a Christian and yet be a stranger and a grumbling servant in God's house. Joy is not an optional feature of the faith. It emerges from an awareness of the mercy and from the forgiveness of God enacted in the kingdom. That is good and deep and dense and the truth. That, that joy ultimately comes from the continued revelation that we are forgiven, hallelujah. And what God does in His mercy is that He, he slowly begins to bring revelation about where there is sinful behaviour in your life And he just gently does it all your life, so you think you know. I don't know my twenties, deal with pornography, and um, and you know a little bit of residue into my thirties, but and then like hallelujah, no more sin ever sorted, life totally sweet, never like I'm now kind of like Jesus, and then it's like yeah, I'm just going to gently put my finger on the old uh, escapism with a bit of eating. Ah, You know, I'm going to slowly begin to put some revelation around some some unforgiveness. Ah, and, And it's just in his mercy, he keeps revealing. And sin isn't just, again, the things, real naughty things. It's anything that stops us living the full life that Jesus Christ longs for us to live. Filled with love, filled with joy, filled with peace, filled, especially the love of a blessing, a life of blessing blessing for others. Selfishness, man. He just, over time, right, He's going to gently just reveal our self, not to make us feel stink, but to lead us into life, to lead us into healing, to lead us into fruitfulness. And so it's that continual journey of like, you are never going to graduate. And then the Bible says, He will bring the work to completion, Yes, hallelujah. One day he'll bring the work to completion. Then we will see him face to face. Now it's like through a mirror dimly, but now one day it'll be all oh, hallelujah. Until that day, come back to the table, mercy and grace. We're just gonna have to lean on his mercy and grace all the days of our lives. And, uh, and that leads to joy. It doesn't lead to condemnation. It leads to joy. I am forgiven, Hallelujah. That's joyous news. I'm free. He hasn't come to make you feel guilt and fear. He's come to lead you into places of grace and freedom. That's what he is all about. Interestingly, in this, uh, this is the third of, uh, of a bunch of stories about lost things being found. Earlier in Luke 15, the woman loses a coin in the house, and uh, and there's a sense where you can still be in the house but not home. You can still be lost in the house. That makes sense. And so this morning, there's this once more an invitation to, to come home. So it's the older brother in us. It's like, I've got to humble myself. I got proud in my Christianity after a few years of ticking along without any major alcohol problems or whatever it may be. And actually, you know, I want to come back to that place of, of joyous humility where I'm thanking God for his mercy and I'm, I'm enjoying the party. I'm enjoying the party. I'm part of it. Because everything, the father says, everything I have is yours, he says to the older son. It's all yours as well. It's Everything's yours. I heard the story, there was a wealthy man, he had this one son, he loved, loved him dearly because his wife had died at childbirth and he had never remarried. And he uh, had this very precious son of his. And he was also a lover of art and he taught his son to love fine art. And this man was very, very wealthy. And because um, and him and his son worked to amass an incredible collect- private collection of priceless works of art. Uh, and when uh, his son had grown up, he joined uh, the Marines in the um, army and went to Vietnam. And he was killed in action and his father's heart was broken. Uh, A few months after he buried his only son, uh, a man knocked at at his door and had a large wrapped package in his hands. And when the father opened the door, he said, Sir, I knew your son. We were in the same platoon and he was my best buddy. I'm an amateur artist, so we had many discussions about art. It's not very good, but I painted a portrait of your son from a photograph I took and I'd like you to have it. The man was very touched and tried to pay the artist, but he refused any payment. He said, I painted him because he was my friend. And although the picture wasn't amazing and compared to these other priceless works of art, the proud father displayed it in a very prominent place. Several years later, the wealthy man died and his works of art were to be auctioned off, millions of dollars worth of art to be sold. Art dealers from around the world crowded the home wanting to bid on the Van Goghs and the Monets. And the soldier artist was there as well, but he was too poor to bid. The lawyer announced to the crowd that before any of the valuable pieces of art were auctioned off, the deceased had left instructions that the portrait of his son must be auctioned off first. The impatient art dealer was let's get on with it, get that picture out of here so we can bid on the real art. So the auctioneer opened up painting, he'll give me $100. No one replied. Finally, the soldier friend who painted the portrait said, I'll give you 20 bucks for it. And the auctioneer said, 20 once, twice, sold for $20. And so the artist brought back his own painting because he felt a great fondness for the man's son. And at that moment, the rich man's attorney stepped forward and said to the crowd, ladies and gentlemen, there will be no more bidding. My client left secret and specific instructions that whoever bought the painting of his son would receive all the other works of art at no additional charge. So the gentleman who bought the picture of the son receives all the other pieces of art. To quote the words in his last will and testament, he wrote, Whoever chooses my son gets it all. This concludes the auction The father said both to the younger son and to the older son, you have it all. It's all yours. You can just just as I said last week. All that is required of us is the humility to say yes. That's all. He doesn't violate our free will on that front. So it's up to you. The choice is yours. It's all yours. The kingdom of God is yours. Every spiritual inheritance, every bit of, Ephesians goes on about this, every bit of richness that there is in God is available to us. Now, it's a journey looking and exploring. It's fun. It's like, what does it look like to live that more and more? Best adventure you could ever have in life. Discovering the riches of God's grace and mercy and discovering the riches of living in his kingdom, it will make you feel fully alive. As Rachel Hunter said famously, it doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen. If you choose Jesus, if you keep choosing Jesus, And it's the journey of our lives I'm gonna keep choosing Jesus. And it is not a pipe dream, this life. It is not some Christian cliche or something that you tweet that has no depth to it. I can stand before you this morning and say that life is real. The life that's immersed, the life of love, joy and peace is available to us. Sometimes it requires some things to die. You've got to pick up your cross and follow him, but the story doesn't end on Friday, it ends on... Oh, come on, church. I need some African-Americans in the house or something at some point. Cause the story never ends on Friday. The story doesn't end on the counselling, you know, uh, seat or up the altar call when you're working through the pain or in that moment of confession or that—that's painful and it requires you to humility. Requires something of you to die. But the story never ends there. It always ends on Sunday with new life bursting into the world. And this is what the father standing before the older brother who's got resentful and proud and angry and embittered and he's jealous and he's like, if you would humble yourself, you get to experience all of this. The choice is yours. You can stay in that place if you want of anger. And, and, and some of you have gone through huge amounts of pain and 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 you you know and people have really hurt you. But don't stay outside of the house. I mean, that's your decision, but it's like honestly stewing on anger and resentment. How about you come home and let God be the judge? He'll put it right one day. Holding on to hope for that, and then I'm I'm holding on to hope for others, and I'm holding on to mercy for myself when I stand before Him. Right? I'm like, oh Lord, you better sort them out, you know. And it's like, and then it's like, but you be kind to me, please, you know. So I got to trust in Him. So there's two ditches that we can fall into in this. Um, this uh, this is a work of art I produced last night. Um, but there's two ditches we can fall into, right? And this is what this what this uh, is this passage is, is kind of inspiring. If we can have the self-centered fleshly desires on the other side and a self-righteousness on the other, that's the two ditches that we can fall into and the brothers represent those two ditches. Jesus is inviting us to walk that path with him. It's a path of humility. It's a path of relationship. It's a path that we, where we choose to, to, to receive the Father's invitation and to, to come home, to come home. And so this morning, whether you've been, uh, whether you're here and you want to come home after making all sorts of mistakes, uh, if that's that's you, if you're like, some of, you know, almost every week we have someone that walks into church and like they've just, they've had the courage to walk into church because they're over it. They're just over, you know, as, as the passage says, you've come to your senses. If that's you this morning. God is the God of grace and mercy as running towards you, wants to adopt you as a son or daughter and say, welcome home, let's party. That's what he wants to say to you. And for some of you, you've been serving faithfully, you know, for God for years. Let's move from a place of I have to serve or I've got to serve and I get to. That's the mentality. I've got to watch this as the pastor. And I know that, you know, occasionally I get a vibe from a volunteer or something, you know, and it's like, we don't have to, we get to. We get to serve. We get to serve the house of God. We get to serve the bride of God. We, we, you know, we've been following him faithfully for years and then you know, someone turns up and they've been a Christian two minutes and all of a sudden everyone's wanting to hear their testimony and you've been faithful for 30 years and no one wants to hear your testimony and it's like it's not fair, but hallelujah, let's continue to celebrate what God is doing. Let's continue to have joyful hearts in the house of God. The, Tim Keller, and I finished with this, said, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever did believe, yet at this very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever did hope. I love it. It's both. It's both. But the story ends on Sunday with that forgiveness, mercy, and that new identity. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Hallelujah. And I can live in freedom and grace. And so what I'd love to do this morning is just as we finish, uh, I would love to just give us some space once more to allow this passage to speak to us. As, uh, as we said on the very first uh, sermon of the series, parables are there and the parables are like seeds and our response to them is like the soil of our hearts. And those that allow that the word to go in deep, it produces fruit in our lives. And so I just want to give us the space for God's um, spirit to come and uh, to, um, to speak to us and to bring revelation. And so let's just invite God's spirit to come now and to speak to us and to... Um, to bring revelation, Lord, we just we thank you that you're here, and we thank you that you're always wanting to bring us to life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your house is the house of uh, it's a house full of celebration and joy, as sons and daughters uh, receive your welcome and experience your grace and your mercy. So, Lord, I pray for those this morning who have had a um, a not-so-good week or maybe a not-so-good decade, whatever it may be, because of choices that have, um, have damaged their own souls as they've run away from you. I pray that right now they would experience your incredible grace and mercy. Pour it out, Father. Thank you that that's who you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the God of grace, you are the God of mercy. And I pray that you would pour it out, Lord, this morning and that you would um, breathe afresh on every person here, a new sense of your life. And Lord, for those of us that have been faithful to you for many years, I pray that you would keep our hearts soft. And again, by your Spirit, I pray that you'd pour it out, just your living waters upon us, that we may uh, just uh, have soft hearts before you. Lord, we confess to you if we need to confess that we've got angry or we've got resentful or we've been frustrated or we've been um, agitated or whatever it may be, Lord. Our hearts have got hardened, Lord, and we just confess that. They're easy sins to hide. But Lord, I pray, Lord, jealousy, resentment, whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that you would just now, Lord, we want to confess it. And we want to give it to you. And we want to ask, Lord Jesus, that you would remove that sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Thank you that that's what you do. Thank you that that's what you do. And so, Lord, we confess it. We give it to you. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would now just pour out your Spirit upon our hearts afresh and really soften them. And I pray that you'll give us a fresh revelation of just how loved and forgiven we are, that we may be filled with joy, filled with joy and gratitude, and happily join in the party. The sound of the house of God is the house of, the house of a party and may we enjoy that.